This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at standupwithatruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, soldiers, warriors, the remnant of truth proclaimers and defenders. Thank you so much for tuning in. I can't wait to get to our special guest today. A lot to talk about, including very important issues, Marxism in America, the U.S. military, wokeness, religious persecution, and much more. Father in heaven, thank you for this day. Thank you for your faithfulness, and thank you for your sovereignty. Uh, We pray in Jesus' name that you would draw people to you, starting with the church, people who are called by your name. May there be an awakening repentance, revival in the church in America, God, and help us to be the salt and light we are called to be, to impact our culture for the truth of Jesus Christ and for righteousness. Uh, We love you. We thank you for calling us and choosing us to serve you. And uh, we humbly do that, Father, asking for wisdom today and one day at a time. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Today we're blessed to have Lieutenant General William Boykin. Uh, We're talking about a whole lot of issues that I mentioned earlier, but uh, many of you know of his work at the Family Research Council. He's the executive vice president. He was one of the original members of the U.S. Army's Delta Force. He was privileged to ultimately uh, command these elite warriors in combat operations, and then he commanded all the Army's Green Berets as well as the Special Warfare Center and School. He has spent 36 years in the Army, serving his last four years as the Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence, and he is an ordained minister with a passion for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and encouraging Christians to become warriors in God's kingdom. He and his wife Ashley enjoy spending time with five children and a growing number of grandchildren Oh, General Boykin, thank you so much for taking the time with us today on Stand Up for the Truth. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be with you. Thank you. We uh, talk so much about the Family Research Council. I quote them. We cite them. We thank you for uh, your work there, for Tony Perkins and all the people that are part of that great organization. Um, Before we get into the topics today, sir, um, you have an event coming up that you're going to be speaking at, and I'm glad to say Promise Keepers will go on as scheduled July 16 and 17 at uh, AT&T Stadium, Arlington, Texas. Uh, the cancel culture tried to uh, squash that, but it's going on. So tell us a little bit about Promise Keepers and your appearance there. Well, it's a great privilege for me to be uh, one of the speakers there. And uh, Promise Keepers uh, really sort of re-emerged and resurrected uh, last year, but there was uh, the event last year had to go virtual because of the COVID uh, restrictions. And uh, but this year we're going live. And uh, Ken Harrison, uh, a friend of mine, is the uh, president now of Promise Keepers, and he uh, he was uh, willing to take on the responsibility for getting Promise Keepers back on its feet and and uh, and and out. Uh, ministering to men, and uh, he's a he's a very good man, and I just uh, admire him so much for being willing to take on this task. Well, we uh, heard so many good things about that event, and it's ministered to a lot of men, possibly millions, in the U.S. and around the world. And there's another event that you're going to be a part of, and that's called the Stand Courageous. Men's Conference in Woodland Park, Colorado, Saturday, June 19. Tony Perkins will also be there, Andrew Womack, and uh, several others. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, uh, my uh, latest book is called Man to Man, and we built the men's conferences around Man to Man. And uh, the fundamentally, the book is about five things that a man is supposed to be biblically, and we have... Uh, five different speakers that speak on those things. And Dr. Stu Weber, who was with Promise Keepers for about 20 years, he'll be there speaking. And uh, Bishop Larry Jackson, who was with Promise Keepers for about 20 years, he'll be speaking. And uh, and I'll speak, and Tony will speak, and then uh, one of the local pastors in the local area there will speak as well. And uh, we'll have breakout sessions, and 
what we're doing is we're trying to reach out to men and and tell them no it's okay it's okay to be a man it's okay mm-hmm. to let your masculinity uh drive you in terms of your actions and your thoughts because when practiced according to biblical principles there mm-hmm. is nothing at all toxic about masculinity and it is a void in our society today because so many men have been told that their masculinity is toxic and they're not supposed to uh, to be men like God called them to be. Mm. So we're trying to turn that around with the audiences that uh, that we are able to minister to. Sir, thank you for writing that book. What an important need we have in American society today for men to be men and, and reclaim their roles, so to speak. Yeah. Um, the book will, is on Amazon. We'll link to it at standardforthetruth.com. Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World uh, came out last year. Um, did you ever think, uh, in all your years in the military, I, you probably were um, dealing with a lot of great warriors and men and soldiers who really understood the role of man, not only under Christ if they are Christians and believers, but in the household and in the nation as leaders. But can did you ever think we'd be at a point where men are afraid to just be who they are made to be in God and just, just to have that role in society as leaders and strong fathers? No, you know, I, I was raised by a man's man. I mean, <laughs> my dad, and you, if, if you read Man to Man, you, you'll see right in the very beginning I talk about him. And uh, and I came in the Army right out of college in 19, December of 1970, and uh, having played football there at Virginia Tech and then being in the Corps of Cadets, I came in with a total expectation that I was going to be able to reach my full potential as a man because I was going to be around other men that were going to challenge me and push me. And and uh, and that was my experience in the military. That's exactly what, what happened. I felt like uh, I was around some of the toughest uh, masculine men, and that's right where I wanted to be because I knew that they were winners. I knew that they were the kind of people that were going to win wars, which is the the mission of our military is to win wars. Mm-hmm. And uh, and now I look at uh, just the, the recruiting uh, ads for our military, and it breaks my heart oh my goodness. to see what is, what is being, I mean, it, it is, it is so disturbing to me because we're now focused in our recruiting on the LGBT agenda. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, in that, and the idea that we're going to attract men that are willing to put their lives on the line. Let me tell you something. I commanded the Delta Force, and during that time, we were in Mogadishu, Somalia, for the events called Black Hawk Down, and I wound up <clears throat> losing uh, sixteen men mm. uh, it, it, there in that fight. But but two of the men that were lost. I wrote up for the Medals of Honor, the nation's highest award for valor, because they sacrificed their lives for their for their battle buddies, mm. for the other men on the ground. They sacrificed their lives to try and save those men. And and I stood in the White House and watched the President of the United States give their families, posthumously give their families, the medals of honor and i thought what kind of men are these and and who am i to have the honor of 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 commanding these men you know who am i i'm unworthy to command men like this but let me tell you i look around now and i look at what's happening to our military and and i really question i really question whether we have men like that anymore in our service. If if we do, they are men that came in before all this nonsense started. Look, and I know I'm I'm going on, but this is let me make this final point. Please, when you're on the battlefield, you you can give a soldier all the technology in the world, and that and it's going to give him an edge clearly. But there's nothing more important 
on that battlefield than the morale and the cohesion of those units that are out there. Mm. When you sit people down in a classroom that you expect ultimately to be on the battlefield and to win the battles on the battlefield and the wars that we're engaged in, when you set them down in a classroom and you divide them into white and black Mm. and you say, all you white guys over here, you're oppressors. And all you black guys over here, you're the oppressed. What do you think you're doing to the morale and the cohesion of that unit? Mm -hmm. You think you're making them stronger? You think you're going to help them to be uh, more battle-ready? No, you're doing just the opposite. And that really disturbs me with this critical race theory and, and all this stuff that is being taught in our military today and wasting their time is is destroying uh, what I think is the very fiber of our military. And we need to talk about that right now. We're speaking with Lieutenant General William Boykin, Executive Vice President of the Family Research Council. Um, Joe Biden, as most of our listeners know, and, and you're very well familiar with his policies, sadly, uh, he had an executive order politicizing the military. He reinstated an Obama-era policy that disregards military readiness, uh, lethality, and unit cohesion in support of social experimentation and political correctness that you just alluded to uh, by allowing transgender individuals, not just Marxism, not just critical race theory now and dividing by race, but allowing transgender individuals to openly serve in the U.S. military, it seems like the, the, the person that's thinking with common sense would, would realize this is going to weaken the military. Do you think this is all by design by the left? I can come to no other conclusion than, than that that's exactly correct. And we need to recognize that we can no longer deny that there's a Marxist movement in America because you have them in Congress, mm-hmm. and they acknowledge that that's what they are. Yes. So, you know, we've got to get beyond now questioning whether this legitimate or not. No, no. It is here. It's in our military. It's in our society. And if you don't think, for example, that Black Lives Matters and Antifa are Marxist organizations, just look on their websites. Just listen to what they have said. Look at YouTube, and you'll see that they're both Marxist organizations. They are, and they openly admit it. What, what a change now to where it was maybe 25, 30 years ago when everything was, was more covert, you know, but now they're open Marxists, they're blatantly leftists and progressives, and there are people who really want to see the destruction of the United States, capitalism, the economy, and that would obviously lead to the weakening and the dismantling of the military if they can attack our economy. Uh, you mentioned Marxism as one of the things you wanted to discuss today, and I I really want to dive into this because I don't know that people realize what a threat this is because, as you said, it seems to be more recent because of what we've heard from Black Lives Matter, but the ground had to be prepared decades ago to get to the place to where we are now. Can you share your thoughts on that? Yes. Uh, In 1958, the Communist Party USA wrote a book called The Naked Communist. And in that book, they told us how they would take over America. And and I suspect that all, I was only 10 years old at the time, but I suspect that the Americans laughed at them or scoffed at them uh, and said, you can't do these things. These things are ridiculous. You'll never do this in America. And now if you go back and read that book, mm-hmm. it was written by a guy named Skousen. If you go back and read that book and you look at what they've actually done in this country, you say, oh, my gosh, they've done it. And now you're seeing them in what they consider to be their final phases, uh, I think, of a complete takeover of this country. Now, we've got to stop that. But what did they say they were going to do? Let me just throw out some things. This is not a comprehensive list, but they said, first of all, they were going to attack the family because the most important structure in in civil society is the intact family, mm-hmm. the nuclear family, a, ma, a mother, a father, and, and at least a child. That's the most important thing. It's not the church, by the way. You can worship in your home. You can, you know, in, in many home churches are, in fact, doing just that now. But you've got to have intact families to have a healthy society if you want 
good high school graduation rates, low crime rates, uh, a good economy, good personal health uh, in your city or your community. You need the intact families. And they were going to go after the intact families, and they were going to destroy the family structure in America. And in doing so, they would then weaken America. And and part of that was uh, easy divorce. Mm-hmm. Part of it was convincing women that motherhood was a burden and they didn't have to bear. Mm-hmm. Convincing uh, uh, women that, uh, that they, if they were not happy in a marriage, they could leave that marriage easily. Uh, getting men hooked on pornography. Uh, in order to uh, create problems in the marriage. And by the way, three out of five marriages this, in America today that end in divorce, uh, pornography is listed as uh, one of the contributing factors. Three wow. out of five. Wow. So they're destroying the American family with this. They would unionize teachers uh, hmm. in order to uh, control the teachers and control the curriculum. Well, what are we seeing with teachers' unions today? They would uh, get in behind the Greens movement to destroy businesses, and this is all right in the book. So I'm not, I'm not making this stuff up. It's all in the book. And uh, anyhow, it, I could go on because they were going to do all of these things. Uh, oh, and the final thing I will just tell you is. They were going to discredit the Bible. They were going to go after the church and try and turn revealed religion to social religion. Yes. Does that sound familiar? Yes, it does. Social religion. Hmm. And uh, they were going to try to shut the church down. Well, look at what's happened. Look, Look at what COVID has brought about with regards to the restrictions on the church and and. You have to recognize that this Marxist movement, that they told us they were going to do this, and now we look around and we say, oh, my gosh, they've done what they said they were going to do, and now what do we do to get out of it? Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of work to do, and it starts at home. And I just want to quote what you wrote in your book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World. You wrote, I can tell you with certainty America's future will not be decided by what happens in Washington, D.C., or even in your state capital. It will be decided by what happens in homes all across America, including yours. God-fearing men who love their wives, invest in their children, and embrace their role as the spiritual leaders of their homes can turn America around. So, Lieutenant General William Boykin, we uh, should not hope in the United Nations. We should not hope in our government. We've got to hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, but we also have to step up to the plate and live out our roles as men in our homes and then in our culture, shouldn't we? Absolutely, and and pay no attention to this toxic masculinity nonsense. Pay no attention to that. It is phony. It's designed to destroy uh, our society. Mm-hmm. Pay no attention to that. You go back to the Bible. You let the Bible be your guide, not some Marxist organization that's coining these phrases and teaching these courses on recovering from toxic masculinity. You stay away from that and focus on what God says you're supposed to do. We've got to take our first break, and when we come back, uh, first of all, I just want to say one thing about what you just shared. It's so important for men to realize this, and it goes back to the 70s and 80s on primetime television. Comedy shows would just portray men as either weak or goofy or useless or just almost unnecessary, and Hollywood sure has done their part in demeaning the role of men, uh, godly men, manly men, and, of course, faith. Uh, But we'll get to that in the next segment. We're going to talk about religious persecution. It's coming. It's in America. Also, the role of the church in these troubled times and um, what Marxism has been doing and what it can do, not only in America, but in the military. A little bit more with Lieutenant General William Boykin, Executive Vice President of the Family Research Council. We'll be right back on Stand Up For The Truth. You're hearing Stand Up For The Truth. 
Got a comment or question? Text the keyword speak up to 90100. That's speak up to 90100. Your monthly financial support of standupforthetruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, Lieutenant General William Boykin, Executive Vice President of the Family Research Council. If you can, you've got to check out his interview with Tony Perkins uh, from just a couple days ago, I believe. A great, I believe it was a Washington Watch segment. They talked about uh, Joe Biden's perspective on, and we're going to get to this in a minute, on what he called the greatest threat to our nation and its impact on our military so far. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Before I do that, uh, we had on Tuesday uh, Bill Cook of uh, America's Black Robed Regiment in Virginia, and and he tells the story of hearing you speak, I think it was in 2012, and he said it really opened his eyes as to what was going on in our own government in America, and it really reflected the need for preachers and pastors and church leaders in America to speak the truth and to, to address cultural issues. Could you please comment on that? And the, I thought it was a fascinating story that you inspired him very much. Well, yeah, and I appreciate Bill saying that, and, and Bill's doing a really good job uh, here. And the Black Robe Regiment um, <clears throat> was really a term that was coined by the British after the Revolutionary War, because the pastors in the colonies <clears throat> became so convinced that we needed to separate ourselves from the crown of England uh, that they began to preach sermons and advocate for uh, revolution, for separating from the crown of England. And, uh, and they were, in fact, uh, people like John Peter Gabriel Muhlenberg mm. uh, uh, from Woodstock, Virginia, uh, actually preached a sermon on the 26th of uh, January from Ecclesiastes 3 and said there's a, you know, there's a time for all things, there's a season for all things. But he came to the end of it and he said, the Bible tells us here that there's a time to preach and there's a time to pray, but the time for me to preach has gone away. And he said, uh, he went out and got on his horse uh, after revealing the, the uh uniform of a captain, I mean, a colonel of the 8th Virginia Militia. He was wearing it under his black robe. Wow. And he he took his black robe off his vestment, and he had the colonel of a, uh, the 8th Virginia Militia uniform on, and he went out and got on his horse and said, who will ride with me in the cause of freedom? Well, what Bill is doing is he's trying to, he's trying to get these pastors around the country to understand what their role is and what it has been historically and to understand that they can't just hide in the church in a time like this. They've got to be active just like they were in a Revolutionary War. And the, but, but the other thing is this. Uh, even though they in the Second Great Awakening they weren't called the Black Robe Regiment, what brought about the Civil War and an end to slavery? It, it was the church. Mm. It was the pastors. Yes. It was the, you know, the Finneys and and others that that were out there preaching against the idea of holding the black man a slave, and at the same time believing that the words of our Constitution and and Declaration of Independence were were true. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And they were saying, you can't believe that, and still hold the black men a slave. So that brought the Civil War. So what Bill is doing is he, he's out there trying to motivate these pastors to get back to doing what what pastors did, Amen. what pastors historically did that made a huge difference in this country. Amen. And also men like uh, Paul Blair, Dan Fisher, Steve Smotherman, Gary Hamrick, uh, Franklin Graham, and so many others who are uh, not ashamed of the gospel. They're not afraid to address these, quote, social and political issues, which really are issues having to do with morality. Um, I want to jump ahead to something now we wanted to talk about today, because the left and the progressives, maybe one and the same at times, 
are trying to frame Christians, conservatives, Republicans as dangerous or domestic terrorists. You recently endorsed a book by Robert McGinnis, um, Collision Course, and he just came out with an article uh, saying Marxism can defeat us without firing a shot. And he said the Pentagon is charging forward with left-wing ideologies that do not invoke killing our foreign enemies. And he alluded to the February um, event after the state capitol in January event, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin ordered a one-day stand-down to every military unit, which required commanders to address, quote, right-wing extremism in the ranks. And according to uh, McGinnis, he warns that the stand-down training and the Biden administration's embrace of anti-white ideology are moving the, the world's most powerful military to a purity test among the ranks. And we know what it's, what's happening at the state capitol. I would love for you to share your thoughts on that because we've heard this from the media as well, framing whoever disagrees with the left or the Democrat Party as dangerous or even people needing to be re-educated. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, I will tell you that when I saw the breach of the Capitol, I I actually wept. Uh, That was a hard thing for me to watch. Uh, And I I will also tell you that uh, even though I know that there were rabble-rousers there, I know there were Antifa people there that were kind of whipping the crowd into a frenzy. As far as I'm concerned, there is no excuse for breaching our Capitol. That's right. None. None whatsoever. I do not in any way condone it or stand stand with anybody that went inside that Capitol. But that said, we're living through one of the biggest cons, probably the biggest con that America's ever lived through. And we've got – I'm sitting in my office right now. I'm six blocks from the Capitol. Mm. And you walk down there to the Capitol, and you've got concertina wire all around the Capitol. It's ridiculous. Hey, hey, that is the kind of stuff that we took into combat, mm. you know? And uh, and you go up to the White House, and you got uh, you got basically the same thing up there. And you got National Guard troops, unarmed National Guard troops, uh, on the street corners in different parts of the city, and all. This is a con. This is a, the optics of this are supposed to convince people that we, people like me, and you, are domestic terrorists, mm-hmm. that because we're conservatives, we're Christians, we believe in the Constitution, we believe in the national anthem and the flag, they're trying to convince people that we are domestic terrorists. That's right. With all of this nonsense that we see with the troops out on the street. No, and by the way, keep in mind, this is the same mayor that threw the National Guard out of a hotel here during the Trump administration, when Donald Trump, who has control of the D.C. National Guard, put him out on the street to help stop some of the rioting and destruction here. And this mayor, for political reasons, kicked the National Guard out of the hotel they were staying in here. And now she's asked for as much as 25,000 of these people. It's a con game. It is. That's all it is, a con game. Thank you for saying that. We agree. Um, I know a majority, overwhelming majority of our listeners do from across the country. Um, and they're going to leave in place this fake narrative. And I want to ask you about your response, because I heard you talk about it with Tony Perkins, to uh, Joe Biden in the State of the Union when he said uh, that what happened January 6th was somehow the worst uprising since the Civil War. Now, I don't remember his exact words, but he said something along those lines that um, and it's, it's so irresponsible. And you pointed out, what about the Civil War? What about 9-11? So this is irresponsible. But here's a point that you made, uh, General Boykin. You said he can get or maybe Tony Perkins made that he can get away with saying that Biden because people don't know their history. And your thoughts on that? That's been one of the things that the Marxist uh, movement in America said they were going to do. Uh, They said they were going to infiltrate the school systems and uh, unionize the teachers so they could control the curriculum and control the teachers. 
One of the things they were going to do was they were going to inculcate socialism into the curriculum and remove history. Remove history. So you don't know anything about where you came from. There's an old Russian proverb. Uh, and think about this. The proverb says that if you dwell in the past, you lose an eye. If you forget the past, you lose both eyes. We are wandering aimlessly right mm. now. We have a generation of people that are wandering aimlessly because they know absolutely nothing about the founding of this nation, the sacrifices that have been made for this nation, the good that America has done all over the world. They don't know anything about that because they don't know history. And it is a sad thing that we have this generation now that does not know history, and therefore they don't know where this nation needs to go because they don't know where we've come from. And another thing that's a breaking news story, I would love to get your response to um, a Democrat lawmaker, Jason Crow out of Colorado, I believe. He's pushing for a permanent memorial, <laughs> seriously introduced the Capital Remembrance Act, that directs the architect of the Capitol to install an educational exhibit that reminds future generations, quote, that our democracy is only as strong as our willingness to uphold it. And the exhibit would include taxpayer-owned property that was damaged during the Capitol attack January 6th and a plaque that honors law enforcement agencies. This is just crazy, but this is what they're trying to do now. Um, like, they're breaching the Capitol was shameful. And... The, it's interesting. The only person that died was a conservative, former yeah. military veteran and Trump supporter, Ashley Babbitt. We don't hear anything about that. But yet they want to put a plaque up to uh, commemorate the 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 event as something that needs to be remembered. I know I would love to hear what you have to say about this. First of all, I think that's nonsense. And, and what I, you're seeing is you're seeing. A, a major exploitation of, of the events of the 6th of January. And again, the, 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 I, I think that the progressives, the left, the Marxists that are in our government are using that now to exploit it for all they can get out of this. And it, again, all just what you just described is all part of this big cotton game. Hmm. Now, just keep in mind, that the police officer who shot that woman in the face and killed her, and she was unarmed, uh, we don't even know his name. Exactly. We? Nope. Nothing. Never heard his name. You ever seen a picture of him? Was his was that situation ever investigated as far as we know? Uh, no. No. Mm. And uh, you have to ask yourself why. Why not? Why hasn't it been investigated? And uh, there are a number of theories as to why, and uh, I won't go into those, but uh, I think <laughs> it, it's uh, sufficient to simply say that uh, it should have been at least investigated. Those people did not belong in the Capitol. No. But that was a officer-involved uh, killing of a person. And it should have been investigated, and the public should have been made aware of the findings of that investigation. That's right. And, and, and there's a, it's all political. It doesn't fit the media narrative. 30 or 40 years ago, that would have been. Um, we would have had all the information we needed about that. We've got uh, just five minutes left, and I wanted to ask you about the, what your thoughts are in these troubled times as far as the role of the Christian church in America. Yeah. Now is the time for the church to, 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 to be that shining beacon on the hill. Now is the time. And we cannot let COVID and all the nonsense associated with that stop us from being that beacon. But look, I'm, I'm, I'm simply going to say this. If you go back to the book of Luke, and and the, when the disciples, I think it's the 21st, 22nd chapter, the disciples asked Jesus, what are the signs of your return? And he gave them all the things that we know about. 
you know, signs and wonders. He said there'd be earthquakes in diverse places, wars and rumors of wars, nation rising against nation. But he said this. He said, but before all of this, they will take you before kings and rulers, and they will persecute you on account of my name. Hmm. But then he said, but this will be a time for you to be a witness for me. Hmm. The persecution of Christians is ongoing right now, and it was intensified during the COVID lockdown, still is, where governors, Marxist governors, uh, were placing greater restrictions on the church than on anything else. That's right. And we've all heard about the pot shops and the liquor stores and all the things. Abortion clinics. Abortion clinics. Yes. All open. But churches were restricted I, my mother's funeral i had i could have 10 people at my mother's funeral in january i mean that's oh my goodness this is the kind of thing mm. so what we have to understand is that now is a time for us to recognize that we're going to be persecuted and you see it unfolded we're going to be persecuted but it's an opportunity for us and you better find your courage Find your courage, especially if you're men. Find your courage and be ready to stand. Be ready to stand. And the reason is because people are looking for truth. That's right. People are looking for truth right now. And the truth, all truth, comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. All truth. Jesus is the author of truth. And and now is our time. Hmm for us to to bring in a great harvest, but to be the light, the beacon for those people who are wandering aimlessly now looking for truth. I think I know how you're going to respond to this, but I thought about those pastors up in Canada who've been arrested, imprisoned um, for violating COVID orders or church restrictions. Uh, do you think that more American church leaders should be doing something similar. Uh, do you think the, the country would, would be different if churches had stayed open? Well, I think there are churches that have stayed open. And I, yes, I just, yes. Yeah, I mean, you you look, there are churches that have stayed open. And, and you mentioned, uh, I think you mentioned earlier, Pastor Hamrick. Uh, yes. But there are churches that have stayed open. And you look at Jack Hibbs out in, in Chino Hills, California. Uh, he had about a, uh, eight or ten thousand member church before COVID, and now he's got as many as twenty five thousand coming on Sundays because he's one of the few churches that stays open. Those are the kind of men I want to be close to. Those are the kind of men I want to follow. I want to listen to them. Mm. I want to hear what they have to say because they have the courage. Amen. To, to defy the law. And by the way, Jack Hibbs has not been put in jail yet and i was at a calvary chapel on in uh, san jose where they've got three million dollars worth of fines against them right now but they've stayed open wow and they've continued blessing people and i and then i see you know a little church up at the end of the street where i live and you know they at best they have uh, maybe 15 cars in the parking lot on sunday sitting in the car listening to the pastor sermon on 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 the radio of their car, and uh, I'm saying, no, that's not what you're supposed to be. No. You you need to get out there. Look, you could be smart about it. Don't be stupid, you know. But be smart about it and provide as much protection as you can. But ultimately, your protection is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, your days were numbered when you came out of the womb. So, I guess I could say, don't be a, a fool. But at the same time. Uh, don't worry. When you die, uh, you, you know where you're going. And trust me, I'm convinced that we'll be a whole lot better off <laughs> when that day comes. I'm I'm not advocating for people to do foolish things, but exactly. I'm, I'm just telling you, we are the church, and now is our time. 
Amen. The church needs to be the church. There's a time where people are looking for hope when suicide attempts and rates are off the charts. I uh, wish we had more time with you, but I'm going to direct people to your book, uh, Man to Man. Uh, Lieutenant General William Boykin, thank you so much for spending time with us today. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Thank you. Uh, Thank when you. when we come back, uh, we'll let you know. Uh, actually, I was going to do that later. The guests the rest of this week. We have a couple articles we want to touch on, including this battle for the soul of America, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. Plus, an email I received um, about something we talked about, and it's a very good one. And I'm going to correct something when we come back on Stand Up for the Truth. Keep it right here. Stand Up For The Truth will be back in a few minutes. Share your comments anytime at comments at standupforthetruth.com. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via standupforthetruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Okay, so there's a lot of information that has been coming out that, that we've been dealing with, uh, trying to dissect the, the reports on both sides of all things COVID. And we know there's been even the experts, so-called, <laughs> Fauci, uh, excuse me, that uh, contradict themselves. But an article came out yesterday over at Harbinger's Daily. A COVID doctor said the government is scrubbing unprecedented numbers of vaccine-related deaths, injection-related deaths. We'll share that in the podcast notes. But I also know that a lot of people swear by the vaccine, that it's helped them. And then there's people in the middle that don't know for sure, but they're taking a stand on either side. And some are like, you know, virtue signaling and guilt shaming. But I do want to thank you for, uh, you know, writing in and those of you who send me your comments. I love reading them about Stand Up For The Truth, the guests, the topics. And even if you disagree, I invite that because I want to be corrected if and when necessary. Um, I wouldn't say this is a correction, but I do want to share an email from um, a man named Stephen. He said, um, you have a great podcast. I was listening today. This was last week and want to offer a word of caution about COVID vaccines. To be upfront, I'm in law enforcement and my wife is an RN. We took the vaccine. I had and continue to have some apprehension about taking it. Time will tell if it was a good move. These are real concerns about the vaccine. We've been hit hard here in Michigan, and I fully understand the overreach of government uh, and the concerns about that. I also have concern about potential forcing the vaccine on unwilling people. So there we, he's agreeing with most of the people I'm in touch with and probably most of you who are listening, that forcing someone, the government or anyone to inject something into a person's body against their will, that is wrong, it's evil, it's unconstitutional. And anyway, he goes on. Government cannot be trusted. Having said that, this is more than a bad flu, which I think most of us would admit. My wife's best friend uh, was just removed from a ventilator after having COVID strokes. She was, for all practical purposes, dead for days. She held the position not to take the vaccine. It killed her. Her brain and lungs were beyond recovery. Her three daughters just spent Mother's Day without their mother. I know of four others who personally died uh, from COVID, including a local pastor. A girl at the county clerk's office was off three months after contracting COVID, Many, many more have suffered greatly. So to be sure, you will find people who advise against it. I understand and respect their opinion. Uh, my best friend and many in my family hold to that position. But those who are against it are not holding the hands of family members who have buried loved ones. Good point. We should use caution with our opinions. And this is what I take to heart since we talk. This is commentary. We, we talk about Scripture and we see the world from a biblical lens through that worldview of Christianity and our faith in the truth of Jesus Christ, and we try to make decisions based on what we know from God's Word and the wisdom we pray for and common sense. But we are not always right in everything we do. So I use, and he uses, he said, use caution. Since there is no absolute agreement, and this he means the medical professionals, the doctors, because like many of us have seen reports on both sides, and there are very strong views and opinions on this. 
And to attack good, solid Christians who disagree is not Christ-like. Now that is for people on both sides of this. We can disagree lovingly, respectfully, but please don't attack anyone, let alone another brother and sister in Christ, because of their views on the Rona, on vaccines, on whatever it might be. Don't attack. Let's be respectful. And he said, and to, and to attack good, solid Christians who disagree is not Christ. Like, we should walk with grace and caution. People like my wife's best friend listened and is now dead. It is a best educated choice, but not a moral choice. And I think that's a very good point. It's not a moral choice. This is something that everybody has to decide. It's maybe a matter of conscience for some. They don't want any um, experimental gene therapy you know, pumped into their system. I understand some people want to make that choice. Other people say, you know, well, I'll take anything if it's going to help me develop immunity toward this uh, virus. Um, others say, you know what, God gave us our immune systems and he designed them to function correctly and I'll trust God. So there are different views on this. And he finally wraps it up. He says, just like when smallpox and polio vaccines came out, they saved many lives. So yes, I believe COVID was overblown and hyped. This is part of the problem here in the United States of entertainment. We've got a media and an entertainment industry and a government who's been pushing the, this narrative about COVID, about vaccines and shutdowns, um, but not completely wrong to say this is a major problem. And he says, look at India. So be careful. People do die. So I want to thank you. Uh, his name is Stephen. I want to thank you for that if you're listening. Because uh, I didn't respond to him. I got a reply and said, hey, I shared your thoughts at the end of today's podcast. Uh, thank you. I, I don't want to just hear from people who, dis- who, who agree with me all the time. And keep saying, way to go, great podcast, great show, good topic, we love it. I want to hear your pushback as well, uh, because I think that's, that's the heart of God, to be open to those who have different views, but also who are Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, who might see it a little differently. So this article by Leo Homan, I highly recommend his uh, writing as well. Um, in an interview, he quotes one of our guests, Journalist Alex Newman. He interviewed Dr. Peter McCullough, and uh, he said if this were any other vaccine, it would have been pulled from the market by now for safety reasons. So understand there needs to be (laughs) years of testing and research before conclusive numbers and information can be shared or can be known. So understand this is where we're at. Um, between December, mid-December and April 23. We talked about this last week. In fact, that was probably the show this gentleman was, was commenting about. In just that short amount of time, between December and, and uh, April 23rd, there were 3,000, over 3,500 deaths reported to the CDC's Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System and over 12,000 injuries, serious injuries from the vaccine. We don't hear about this in the news, and that's part of the problem. Um, My mom and my sister both took the vaccine. Um, They both had severe side effects, different ages, of course. Um, My mom had numbness in both arms and legs, very heaviness, where at one point she could not get off the toilet because her legs were so heavy and her arms were heavy. This is, was a reaction from the COVID vaccine. Now, some people take it. They, they, in fact, she says, here, I take this, and this happens. And she couldn't get the second shot, by the way. Her doctor advised against it. Her neighbor, though, which is a couple years younger than my mom, got it and just blew through, got the second one, no problem. So it does affect different people in different ways. So we just have to have a, a more broad understanding and not so be so narrow-minded to our views. I'm willing to look at information. I'm willing to look at how this helps, but I'm completely against children not only being forced to wear a mask. These little children, are their mouths and their noses are covered up for seven hours a day in some schools. Come on. Where's our common sense? How many children have died from COVID? 
Oh, let's one more thing. How about college students? You know, universities, hundreds between 100 and 200 are now requiring students to be vaccinated when they come back in the fall. Do you know how many COVID deaths have been attributed to 15 to 24 year olds? This would be high schoolers and college aged young people. Do you know how many? 0.1% of all COVID deaths, college age, high school and college age. And colleges are forcing them to take the vaccine. This is what a lot of people have a problem with, and you can tell by my uh, voice uh, that I just get passionate about this stuff because this is a problem when you're not, this is not contextual here. I understand helping people with uh, vulnerabilities and and immune systems that are compromised and things like that. Uh, I understand that. But this is young people. Young, healthy people, strong immune systems, and children. Oh, Lord, help us get to the bottom of the factual information. We just want the truth, right? You can't handle the truth. (laughs) Some people can't. So in my new article this week um, called Papers, Please, Will We Soon See No Vaccine, No Service in America? Uh, There's a new vaccine bracelet being sold. That's right. You can wear it out in public so people know that you're safe to be around. Did you hear what I said? This is true. It's selling. Um, look it up at the blaze. Uh, anyway, there's there's things that are going on and uh, airlines. And it's not the government necessarily that's that's stopping our travel around the country. It is and the, to get into events. It's not the government. It's corporations. It's the airlines. It's private businesses that are pushing this narrative from the fake news media. We've got problems, friend. It's a truth problem. Um, Anyway, we know the truth, thankfully, Jesus Christ, and that's where our hope is. When we come back, we'll let you know who our special guest is tomorrow. Maybe we'll even take a peek into next week on Stand Up For The Truth. Have a question? Email at comments at standupforthetruth.com. We'll wrap up Stand Up For The Truth in a moment. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. So Spike and I were just talking. Uh, tomorrow's guest is Todd Friel, um, the wretch himself, wretched radio. We were just asking, what do you ask Todd Friel? And so we have our ideas. On, and But if, by the way, if you have a question you would like to ask Todd Friel, host of Wretched Radio, um, the guy's phenomenal and uh, just solid, and he's helping a lot of people. Um, anyway, what would you ask Todd Friel tomorrow? Email comments at standupforthetruth.com. Comments at standupforthetruth.com. So Todd Friel tomorrow. Can't wait to have a conversation with him. J.B. Hickson. He's going to be with us on Monday, um, Tuesday. Oh, we booked that. And now I'm going, oh, my goodness, I don't, ha- I don't have it in front of me. Uh, oh, Lord, I better not even guess. So I'll leave that go. But anyway, we uh, thank you guys for your prayers, your support. People have been calling and asking about my new book. It is on Amazon, Canceling Christianity. It's on Amazon. We do not have it in the studio here uh, at, at the radio station. Um, I'll have them probably tomorrow. But just keep in touch. But go to Amazon. Early sales really do help the rankings, and it helps other people find it. And then good reviews also help. So check out the book, Canceling Christianity, on Amazon. Thank you guys so much. God bless you. And as always, you know what to do. Keep speaking the truth about things that matter.